0: Welcome to the CND Podcast, I'm Naeem Kalachand and I'm the Clinical and Custom Content Editor. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Jane Lambert. Jane is the CEO of ECG Training and a qualified nurse. Jane's been leading on the Milton Keynes COVID vaccination site and has been supporting pharmacies in the development of their vaccination sites as well. Today, we're going to be speaking about pharmacies' role in administering COVID-19 vaccines. The importance of correct injection technique and how pharmacists can deal with the change of switching from Oxford AstraZeneca vaccines to delivering Pfizer and Moderna vaccines in the pharmacy. This is what she had to say. Hi Jean. thanks for joining me today. First of all I wanted to ask you what is pharmacy's role in administering the COVID-19 vaccines?
1: Well, they have a huge role to play. And I think it's really interesting the fact that the UK is sort of such a leading edge in terms of the skills and the vaccination services that pharmacists have already offered in the past. So I think they're well set up to do what they're doing now and to upscale to deliver the COVID vaccinations. And I think in the early days of vaccinations we saw it hubs come into hospitals with the Pfizer, but as soon as I guess AstraZeneca was available and therefore Easier to store apart from anything else and administer out in the community. Community pharmacists have really stepped up. They have had to and have been successful in looking outside of the box. Obviously, just the very kind of idea of space that they need to do it is that some have been able to maintain that within their pharmacy. Many others have had to be creative in renting community centres, churches, all sorts of venues. So I think they've really pushed themselves and that they've really done themselves proud with that. I guess a lot of their patients, they know their community, their patients trust them. So I think they're well placed to educate patients around the safety, about the effectiveness and importance of the vaccine. So I think they're in such a good place to do that. And they're a well trusted healthcare professional. And of course, they've got the experience with vaccinating. So they've been absolutely essential, I think, to this to the successful rollout in the UK.
0: Yeah, definitely agree. And, you know, we've really seen pharmacy teams, you know, go above and beyond in the last year. So it's great to see how much of an active role they can have in the the vaccines. So what I wanted to ask you now was about injection technique. So can you tell me a bit about the importance of correct injection technique, especially with regards to the COVID-19 vaccines?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously we see pharmacists normally every three years now for their vaccination training and refresher training. And I think, you know, unless you're doing a skill all of the time, it's easy to become de-skilled or perhaps develop some bad habits as well. And I think we're slowly starting to see pharmacists, some pharmacists vaccinate all year round. When we're talking about those just perhaps doing the flu vaccines, then there's many, many months each year that they're, they're not vaccinating. So I think, you know, the right injection technique is absolutely essential. And I think with a COVID vaccine, I guess, like any other vaccine, in terms of where it should be delivered, and that's into the muscle, is really important. If you get the wrong place, the wrong location, or perhaps use the wrong technique, so you don't put the needle in far enough, for example, then it might end up in the subcutaneous fat rather than the muscle, which obviously could have quite a big impact on the processing of the vaccine and the efficiency of the vaccine as well, if it's not absorbed into the muscle. So I think it's important. I do see on social media or some videos, we've seen some poor positioning of the injection technique. And I think we're all guilty of that. It's not just in pharmacists. I think it's really important for us all to do a stop check of where it is, you know, making sure that it's not too high that you're potentially going to cause a shoulder injury, making sure it's not too low that you're potentially going to hit a nerve and cause, you know, possible ongoing damage for that patient. So I think it's just pause, do a quick check, make sure you're happy with the positioning. And a key thing for that, I guess in the community pharmacy settings, are how patients are dressed. Many patients think about it and come with loose fitting tops, but many patients don't. So what I would say to pharmacists, don't be afraid to uh, make sure the person can take their T-shirt or their top right up above the shoulder so you can get a good vision of their deltoid muscle to make sure you're in the right place. And this is why we've all been supplied the screens. So, you know, we have had patients who have had to take their tops off because that's the only way we can get to the top of their arm and make sure that we're in the right place. So it is important to put those safety guards in place if you need to.
0: And can you tell me a bit about the two different techniques for when you're giving the injection when you pull the skin? So I was trained recently on COVID vaccinations and we had been taught to use the Z tracking technique and I know that the ECG training advises using a technique of spreading the skin with the forefinger and the thumb. So can you just tell me a bit about the difference between those and if there's one that is preferable? Many people listening to this may w-
1: well have never heard of the Z tracking technique. I don't know. We don't teach that. And the main reason for that is that, you know, if you follow our training in terms of the positioning, but also the speed of injection, then you should get all of the vaccine within the muscle. The point about the Z tracking really is so where we teach stretch the skin with two fingers and then inject obviously at the right place in between that. The Z-track is where you would basically sort of stretch all of the skin to one side, give the injection, and then let it go. And the whole idea of that is that then it should maintain the vaccine within the muscle. So it almost like causes a block so that the, you don't get any leakage. We always base our training on the green book. And the green book talks about, you know, the 90 degree angle, how you give an IM injection. It doesn't mention the Z-track. There's just two different alternative ways. They're very similar, but either of them, are efficient. And I would say, do the way that you've been taught and the way that you're comfortable with. And if you follow the guidelines, then you'll still make sure that you get it into the muscle.
0: Are there any other common mistakes that you've seen when people have been administering vaccines over the last couple of months so you know we can, we can help improve our practice?
1: Mainly, it's been very good. So I'd like to start off by saying it's been extremely positive. What I've heard, what I've seen from my own eyes has been very, very positive. I think that the things that I have seen are, as I mentioned earlier, the kind of injection position, you know, maybe going too high, too low. Sometimes I can see that actually, because we have a high rate of patients coming through most of our clinics, there is an element of speed to the process to get those patients through and to keep that cue down. But it's important that, as I mentioned earlier, if someone's not not got access to their shoulder, you still take the time to do that. So you don't go too low or too high on the arm. I think the other thing is really important about vaccinator safety. So we always talk about, you know, where you're injecting and the sharps bin, making sure it's in arms, read of each other. So what I have seen sometimes is vaccinators, vaccinated patient, and then quite awkwardly moving their arm across to the sharp spin. So don't forget the sharp spins that you guys are using are generally small, they're very light. So if you need to move the sharp spin so it's close to your patient's shoulder to reduce the chance of a needle stick injury, do that. We've had a couple of instances where in most vaccine hubs you've got volunteers, you've got a mixture of staff that are helping with all the different essential roles. And sometimes we have non-healthcare professionals that are, for example, putting sharps bins together. We've had a few instances now where they've just put the lid on top of the sharps bin, but not actually push down firmly enough so that when the vaccinator has moved the sharps bin at a later date, they've actually had a needle stick injury because the top has come off. So, you know, it is about the patient safety and administering it correctly, but it's also about the vaccinator safety as well. And I think it's making sure that, you know, as it's recommended by Public Health England, if you've got an obese patient, that you do use a longer needle for that again as we were saying earlier it's really important for efficiency that it goes into the muscle and not the subcutaneous fat
0: and just to ask as well what do we do in the circumstances where you're concerned that you haven't given the full vaccine to the patient what do you do in that case
1: In that case, you wouldn't give it again. So you would just get them to come back for their next as planned. So I think what's important is, again, from a a visual point of view, is the only reason that you would think that you haven't given enough is perhaps if you get leakage out of the arm. So the other thing we always say is that when you vaccinate, actually, you're more often looking for blood than than leakage, but have your cotton wool right next to you so you you can put a small amount of pressure onto the site if you get any leakage or obviously any bleeding as well. So it's really important to, to use your eye to have a look at the injection site just post vaccinating Um, and like I say have that cotton wool at hand and again you know don't rush I know we're all under pressure to get the patients through but don't rush when you're doing the drawing up make sure you've got the right dose so you know make sure every single patient gets the right attention.
0: Are there any circumstances when you can tell by looking at the vaccine that it wouldn't be suitable to give the patient?
1: Yeah, that's part of your check. So again, you know, when you're drawing it up, when you've got the ampule, if it looks discoloured, if there's any particles inside. We have seen this. Sometimes you can't see necessarily in the ampule, but you've gone to draw it up. And then when you're looking and inspecting you know, for things like air bubbles, but also you're inspecting for any particles and we have had a few, not many, but we have had a few instances where we've discarded the vaccine because we're not sure if it's something on the inside of the syringe, but certainly it's something within the vaccine. So if ever in doubt then you would definitely dispose of it. The other thing that we've happened a couple of times is a vaccinator's dropped the needle and syringe on the floor. And again, from a stability point of view, we wouldn't give that either. So, you know, we talk about not wasting the vaccine, but ultimately it's, you know, every patient deserves to have an efficient vaccine and a safe vaccine. So if in doubt, for any of those reasons, then dispose and start again.
0: They're great tips. Do you have any other tips for vaccine administration or any other advice you could give our listeners?
1: a lot of the questions we get is around the logistics of setting up the whole site especially if it's off site and it's sort of large numbers what's interesting in our clinic we have a mixture of pharmacists and nurses and then we also use non registered vaccinators so we have a mixture of people in their roles so obviously like we say to everybody you know train 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 make sure everyone's trained for the roles that they are doing in particular what i often notice is that the nurses that come into our clinic that one of the first things they say if they're not familiar with it is where's the resus trolley Where Where's the adrenaline? Let me let me get familiar and have a look through it. I guess as nurses, we're more used to doing that. I would say to pharmacists, you know, if it's your new site or you're bringing someone new in, make sure everybody knows where the emergency equipment is. Not that we're hoping that we'll need to use it, but just so that everyone's aware of it, and just make sure that a lot of social media posts and visuals that I see, a lot of people are not necessarily following the right infection control protocols in terms of we always say bare below the elbows so it would just be good to see more pharmacists working without watches on with their sleeves rolled up so again just from being able to clean your hands in between each patient making sure that that you're following kind of infection control so it's easy in the sort of positive vibes of a vaccination hub to forget sometimes about our our basics that was
0: great advice jen thank you could you just tell me a bit about the transition from pharmacists giving the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine to the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine?
1: I guess one of the key differences is that both Pfizer and Moderna patients need to be observed on site 15 minutes post vaccine. So on a logistical point of view, that will make a big difference to how many patients you could see per day, I guess. What I would say is, you know, we've been contacted to ask how many patients we could see a day, for example, with Pfizer, as many pharmacists probably have as well. So we need to work out and we have worked out how much room we need to allocate for patients to socially distantly wait for 15 minutes and then almost backtrack to find out, therefore, how many stations we can run. For us, we're almost halving the number of patients we can see each day because of the 15 minute wait. But obviously, from a safety point of view, we need to do that. So have a look at your space. It might be that you need to change sites to be able to accommodate it, but certainly it would be slower. The other big thing, especially with Pfizer, is that it does need to be reconstituted and that needs to be a healthcare professional. So at the moment, with a lot of AstraZeneca sites, I suspect people are being given their own ampoule, their own needles and syringes per station and drawing up, which is fine if people are trained to do that. With the Pfizer, it needs to be reconstituted first. So what most hubs do or should be doing is probably having a trained pharmacist or qualified nurse or paramedic to do the diluting, making sure they're trained into reconstituting the ASEP technique. And then the vaccinators will come to that dilution hub, if you want to call it, and get their pre-drawn up needle and syringe. So it'll be quite a different processes that are different. The other key thing really is that for most of the community pharmacies, they will still be seeing their second dose patients with AstraZeneca. So you're likely to have in your fridge both AstraZeneca and Pfizer or Moderna, whichever one you will end up swapping to. So it's making sure that you've got really clear processes in place from a safeguarding point of view to make sure patients get the right vaccine. It may be that you do a Pfizer only day or an AstraZeneca only day, or it may be that you divide the room in one half does AstraZeneca. So it's just making sure that your first time patients versus your second dose get the right vaccine that they should. What we often do in our clinic is just rehearse. You know, if we bring in something new, we just rehearse it, spend 20 minutes before we open and just rehearse so that everyone's really clear of the new process. So it's doable. It's a bit different. We have been spoiled by AstraZeneca. It's a little bit more complicated, but it's certainly doable. And it's going to be here for some time because if we're going to be using these down to the age of 18 and maybe even lower, who knows yet, then you will get the hang of it and obviously ask for support if you're not sure what
0: to do. Just to kind of clarify at the end, the guidance is still if you've received one dose of a certain vaccine, you have to receive the second same vaccine. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it is. So, you know, we've seen a lot of nervous patients coming in for their AstraZeneca um, and even their second one. So, you know, really as a pharmacist, it's making sure that you keep yourself up to date with that guidance so that you can educate and reassure your patients. So absolutely, if you've had one vaccine then at the moment as it stands you need to have the second dose the same the only thing that would be different in astrazeneca of course is if somebody had a very bad reaction in terms of a blood clot which is obviously the the elephant in the room so if somebody had a reaction like that post their first astrazeneca then they would not be given their second but again pharmacists need to make sure that they're they're clear and they're up to date with the national protocols i think we're on our third protocol for astrazeneca at the moment
0: That was Jane Lambert, CEO of ECG Training and Qualified Nurse. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe to CND Podcasts on SoundCloud or your preferred app. Thank you for listening.